following podcast contains spoilers and rude words. We watch it. Well, Wimmy Wham Wham Wazzle, and welcome back to another fun episode of that show where we watch some stuff. This week, it's B Dizzle, as always, and I'm lucky enough to be joined by Beth for Hi. her first appearance in over a hundred episodes. Longtime fans of the show might remember you, but everyone else is like, who's Beth? <laughs> so let me ask you, who's Beth? Well, I suppose in the context of this show, I'm Topher's sister, and in all other contexts in our lives, He's my brother. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good to have you back on. I've been trying to get you on the show for so long. I know. (laughs) Even before Topher ditched me. Yep. I thought I'd come back, say hi, see if the marriage proposal I got from the last couple of times is still good for a nudge. (laughs) I am really excited for this one, though. Um, Like I said, I've been trying to get you on for ages, and usually I like to get you on for kind of like thinky, you know, maybe feminist movies or something, Mm -hmm. And but a lot of people don't know that you are the disaster movie queen. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I have to say in relation to this one, I'm kind of glad that there aren't many women because I I prefer the fact that my kind are not associated with what we're about to discuss. (laughs) So I had no idea what this movie was other than the title, and it was Roland Emmerich. And that was enough for me to say, hey, Beth, do you want to do this movie? Yep. And And that was more than enough for me to say yes. And then there was a small part of me the other night when I watched it that was like, why am I doing an episode on this? Nobody is going to see this movie. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Here we are. And it's going to be fun to talk about anyway. It is. Yeah. So I am, of course, talking about Moonfall, a 2022 science fiction disaster film co-written, directed and produced by Roland Emmerich. It stars, this is mind-boggling to me, Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, John Bradley, Michael Pena, Charlie Plummer, Kelly Yu, and Donald Sutherland. Get this, I don't know if you know this, it was shot on a budget of $138 to $146 million production budget, which makes it one of the most expensive indie films of all time. Uh, and so far, it's made back a whopping $3 million at the box office oh, <laughs> internationally. Uh, only made about 700000 domestically, although apparently cinemas have been closed due to the whole snowstormy thing. But let's face it, that's not why this movie's doing poorly. <laughs> I mean, personally, I used comp tickets for it, so they also didn't make any money out of me. <laughs> well, let's get into it then. So... You're an Emmerich fan, though, right? I am. I uh, I mean, certainly speaking of, like, Day After Tomorrow, I could yeah. quote that movie better than probably it starred Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> could quote the Taylor Swift songs that have been written about him. Uh, I love it. I love it. I could watch the, I, ha- I could watch and have watched that movie incessantly over years and Before years. Before we move on. Yes. Are you on Taylor or Gyllenhaal's side? Look, I... Know very little about it, I have to say. Yeah, okay. I'm one of those You're people who- You're in the same who, boat as me then. Yeah. I mean, I really- It's weird because I have a- I feel like I love and respect Taylor Swift, even though I don't listen to any of her music, <laughs> but I just kind of dig her vibe. And I have listened to the song in question. That, All 10 minutes of it. The 10 minute song. Uh, I've, I've paid so much attention that I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> uh, I know that there's a scarf involved. Yeah. Uh, and that he did some pretty questionable shit and probably seems like he's a bit of a twat. <laughs> so, look, I'm on her side. I'm I'm 100% on her side while not knowing a huge amount about it. <laughs> I've formed a really strong opinion that's very ill-informed, <laughs> but totally I stand by. <laughs> and you, 
San Andreas is not an Emmerich film, is it? It's just another disaster movie. Correct. You, you famously wa- think you made us watch it, but nobody else has any memory of watching it. I've that made movie. you watch it now twice because we had to watch it a second time after you guys really? insisted. You'd never watched it a first time, which I was I don't untrue. remember watching it a second time either, I must say. And I have to say, this movie that we're speaking about today, Moonfall, would have really benefited from The Rock on a speedboat saving <laughs> from the tides. <laughs> you know what? Here's uh, Let's get straight into it then. One thing I will say about the movie is I didn't hate my time with it. Mm-hmm. I had enough fun. Did you see this alone? No, I saw it with two friends, um, one of whom is a, a boat. They're both uh, astronomically, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> smarter than I am. <laughs> one of whom uh, did his doctorate in conspiracy theory. So that was an wow. interesting thing, yeah, to talk to him. He's he, You absolutely should have asked him on <laughs> instead of me. Uh, he was really interesting to talk to about it afterwards from a co- kind of conspiracy theorist perspective and the kind of Samuel Tarly whatever his actual name is, the actor, Um, and his kind of role in the movie. Uh, And the other one, um, the other friend I saw it with is just kind of a general, you know, um, IQ through the roof, knows a lot about political systems and philosophy. So he was another interesting person to talk to about it. Yeah. So the the best part of the movie for me was discussing it afterwards with them. And here's the thing. Here's what I was going to say. I think in some ways there's an argument to be made that this film should have just dropped straight on Netflix, right? Yeah. That said, if I had watched this movie at home, particularly if I watched it alone, I would have hated this so much more. The best part of this movie was seeing it in a cinema on date night, laughing about it, turning to my wife and being like, what the fuck was that? Like, Yeah. yeah, That's what made this movie fun. And I did have fun with it, I have to say. I think my- I didn't have fun with it, but I- and I think that the the thing I liked most about it was knowing I was going to be able to come and talk to you about it and just talk, because I just love casting shit at things. And I knew that that's what this would be. So, for me, that- the anticipation of doing that almost made the movie worth it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, let's talk cast then. Sure. Sam Tarly- is an odd choice. Apparently, he mm. was recast. That was originally given to Josh Gad. And now that oh. I know that, I'm like, okay, yeah, that tracks because they're yeah. virtually the same man. <laughs> Except one I, funnier. <laughs> yeah, sure. I found that I was quite confused about what he was meant to be. He kind of had this sort of slight um, Simon Pegg in, you know, circus uh, yeah, yeah. Star Trek vibe. He's kind of like this kind of sort of funny, bumbling tech guy. But then he was also partly, I think, meant to be this sort of slight, you know, Donald Glover in the Martian being kind of this sort of socially awkward genius. But he didn't hit either of them. And you have to, because they paid, there's just such little character development in this movie. (laughs) I do think you have to hit a trope if it's going to work. And he just hit none of them at all. He was the whole, he was awful. The character was awful. I hated everything about I, it. I agree. It's like the, the film doesn't know what that character is meant to be. Yes. It doesn't. It feels like it doesn't know how the audience is meant to feel about him either. Yeah. Are we supposed to hate him? Because your inherent response to conspiracy nutters is that they suck. Exactly <laughs> right? right. Exactly. And especially releasing a, a film at a time where oh. there's a lot of conspiracies going around about yeah. a lot of different, you know, big and um, internationally affecting issues. It, it is interesting that the movie didn't seem to make any point about yeah. about supporting the conspiracy theorists or looking to the science or was I meant to be on his side or was I meant to yeah. 
there was no one I was aligned with. They know, all right? kind of sucked. And because at the end of the day, he is right. He was right. Which is weird. Exactly. But also, I never really understood what was happening because he was stealing his data from NASA, right? Like he was calling and pretending that he was a doctor to get their data. Exactly. Right. I was like, okay. All right, this is odd. <laughs> yes, and you, they they would have known it was him calling because we see at one point someone calling someone on, on the phone. It just comes up as NASA. So <laughs> yeah. apparently, when NASA calls you, it appears on the telephone. Yeah, yeah. And then there's that one weird time where, for some reason, he pronounces it NASA. NASA. <laughs> you noticed that as well. I was like. What? <laughs> Maybe in the Queen's English that's how it's pronounced and down here in the colonies we're just like NASA. But he only does it once and then every other time he says NASA. <laughs> it's, it's very curious. It is strange. But it was uh, because, again, it was Samuel Charlie. I was like, ah, who gives a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I never paid attention to anything he did before. <laughs> Why would I start now? But I, I do think there was kind of a maybe missed opportunity with, and this is probably because I saw it with the friend um, who knows a lot about these issues, but I thought, you know, look, there, there has always been a long history of people talking about how the moon affects you. Yes, we're all controlled by the moon in some way. You know, the, the full moon drives people crazy, yeah. werewolves, blah, 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 blah. Um, so at some point I thought, is it is it going to try to kind of feed into a new conspiracy about how the moon or how the, the stars or the solar system or whatever affects people and controls people in some way, which would have been interesting. Or was it trying to be a satire? No, because it wasn't funny or smart. Was it trying to be a disaster movie? Again, I felt no, like there wasn't enough. This is what I mean. There was no rock on a speedboat. There was no kind of like buildings being destroyed in really spectacular fashion. And there was not enough disaster, not enough smart, not enough action to, to fit into anything in particular? Yeah, you know what? You're totally right. I didn't really make that connection at the time, but there is a lot of the chunk of the film spent in space. Yes. And to me, a disaster movie is about the Earth. It's about trying to escape. You know, I like I said, I knew nothing about this film going into it, but I thought it would be about the moon falling. Yes. Like a comet type thing and people yes. trying to escape. And instead, like- 50% or more of this film is them as astronauts going to the moon. Yes. And it kind of cuts back to some characters on Earth making that escape disaster type thing. Yes. But not really. And many of whom are entirely inconsequential. Like the, yeah. the mum who, you know, is sort of, you know, losing her memory. The son going to prison. Again, these things uh, yeah. are just totally unnecessary. They're yeah. unnecessary. The, the, I felt like the storyline for the first maybe – at least sort of 45 minutes or so, felt very manic. There were all of these different plot lines going on and none of them seemed to make sense. And I thought, are they all going to be grouped up together in some way at the end? No. Manic (laughs) is exactly the word I I would describe. It's frantic. It's so fast-paced. And this is a movie to me, and I think I've spoken about this on the show before, one of the lessons I learned about storytelling is to replace your ands with buts or therefores. Yes. This doesn't. This is a movie of ands. This is like this happened, and then this happens, and then this happens, and none of it ties together. None of it is affecting anything else that happens in the yes. plot. It's just throwing a bunch of shit in your face. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. hectic. Nothing felt. Nothing felt natural. There were no. There was no natural flow to it yeah. at all. It yeah. needed a very serious edit, especially in a movie that what was it one thirty minutes? I think it was yeah. far ju- too long. Just over two hours. I yeah. Think. 
Which is still, I mean, honestly, these days, that's short when you compare it to other movies that have come out this year. Yep. But that's a lengthy movie for what this is. (laughs) So one thing I wanted to talk to you about was the kind of aesthetic of the film. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, and if you haven't, then please don't. (laughs) Which which is, honestly, if anyone's listening to this, I mean, looking at the numbers of how many people have seen it, (laughs) Let's say this episode, let's be generous. Let's say this gets 10,000 downloads, three people will have seen it. (laughs) Sure, So if you haven't seen it, then there's a spoiler alert coming up, is that the the moon, as Billy said before, I imagined it was going to be kind of, something is kind of fucked up in the the normal way of the solar system. The the moon has been kicked out of its orbit. It's starting to come towards Earth and it's going to fall towards us. Oh, oh no. What actually has happened is that the moon is a uh, a mega structure. structure. And we get told this by someone who calls himself a doctor of mega structuralism. (laughs) Yeah. Who who later says he's not a doctor. Not a real doctor. He just made that up. Which, again, shocking. (laughs) Uh, And and they they build a a moon. Uh, This new, and try to keep it a secret, they cover it in whatever, like- Moon um, dust. Moon dust, (laughs) moon rocks, and um, moon holes (laughs) 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 to make it look like a real moon and not a fake moon. so it is actually not a real quote unquote planet. It is a mega structure that is driven by this inf- internal power source, which I think um, yeah. we, we get told is is driven by um, harnessing dead stars or something. The okay. energy of dead I mu- stars. I must have missed that. <laughs> Uh, and anyway, at some point, the artificial intelligence finds the moon, fucks it all up, and that's what knocks it out of its orbit. Yeah. It's going to come and yeah. kill Earth. Um, so. I was really interested in the aesthetic of the movie from that perspective because when you go and look at the – when later in the movie you see all this kind of exposition, I guess, about what had happened and what the moon really is, it looks very futuristic. The aesthetic is yeah. very futuristic. And I don't know, obviously, what the kind of um, – how it was shot and what it was shot on to, to make it look this way, but I feel like the – uh, the movie itself also has that kind of futuristic vibe to it, which I felt was not helpful in trying to separate out what we're meant to believe is our, you know, longer gay ancestors who it's, yeah. Donald Sutherland say, says makes us look like Neanderthals and, you know, yeah. idiots rolling around in the dirt. Uh, but it, it makes the two worlds seem like they're the same, which, which again, makes me less able to kind of pull apart what they're saying, which is that the people on Earth are still very much in the infancy compared to what- Exactly. So you would have liked more kind of contrast between the look of the film on Earth and on yes. Moon. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get that. Yeah. 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 I, I thought that the production design actually wasn't- terrible like i thought that the look of the inside of the moon was kind of cool and i thought a lot of the space stuff looked pretty good like when you consider that this is i know it's ridiculous to call it an indie film given like the budget and everything (laughs) who called it indie what what categorizes it as indie uh it was not financed or produced by a company right roland emmerich produced this himself basically so he financed it and produced this himself so it's technically an indie film in the same way that most mel gibson films like passion of the christ that's an indie film for the same you know i guess it depends on how you categorize it sure um but i actually thought that the look of the film was pretty solid i gotta say yeah 
I had, there were a couple of moments where I thought it came close to, I mean, at one point someone uses the term moon terror. (laughs) (laughs) As in, like, someone's caught the moon terrors. Uh, And it was funny at the time, but I thought, okay, it's actually quite interesting in that there were times in which the moon did look terrifying. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I thought it could have done, it it came close but not quite far enough for me in terms of turning something very beautiful into something that that is dreadful and terrifying. And there were moments where I felt it, where it would start rising and you'd be like, shit, that's the moon that I've, you know, stared at for however many years and I think is one of the most, you know, ridiculously amazing, beautiful things I've ever seen and now all of a sudden it's a thing of terror. But it it, it came close to that but not close I know what you mean. And here's the thing that kind of annoys me about this film is that I don't, hate the general story. I think where I hate is where it ends up. I, I hate the mega structure part of it. That yeah. whole I think that the general premise of, as you say, the moon kind of I don't hate that. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. And I think some cool stuff could have been done there. Yeah. And just wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Like and I think you kind of nailed it before when you I don't feel like the movie really knows what it wants to be. It's not a disaster movie. It's not a sci-fi, but it's very sci-fi heavy. Yes. I you're right. There are some kind of horror elements that could have like this could have been a straightforward horror movie. Like you take this premise and there are a million different ways you could play Absolutely. it. Absolutely. This could be a quirky offbeat indie rom-com about two people as the world ends when the moon is falling, you know? Like yeah. there's any way you could take this and I just I just don't know why it went the way it did. Yes, <laughs> I agree. And there were also moments where I just felt um I mean, I probably did laugh maybe, you know, half a dozen times at stuff that was genuinely very silly and stupid, and those yeah. those moments can be very fun and entertaining. But there was also stuff in it that I just felt was very um, uh, offbeat and, and, and in almost, not in a way that was necessarily offensive, but just, just kind of the, quite tone deaf. Yeah, like so what? So there was a moment, for example, where... Uh, you know, Samwell, I, I, I will never, I don't know what his name was and I don't care to know, uh, is talking to two of the guys at NASA and he's saying to them, oh, I almost got a job at NASA once. Oh, that's and right, they, yeah. And they say, oh, what janitorial. was the job? And he says janitorial. And I know I meant to laugh, I guess, but- The world needs janitors, man. The world needs janitors and also we're just coming out of, well, still in the grips of a pandemic where people oh, yeah. like cleaners and people who are responsible for keeping places, you know, safe and healthy and for people. Yeah, and sanitary is like one of the most fucking- important and noble things you could do. And I things like that, I was just like, can you fuck off with this? I know. It's not funny and it's actually borderline offensive. Yeah. It'd be like making, like, I know that this used to be a common thing, but yeah, I feel like making fun of like people who flip burgers or food delivery people at the moment, those people are my champions. Yeah. (laughs) As soon as lockdown started, I said to my wife, please don't let them close Uber Eats. I will end myself if they close Uber Eats. And if nothing else, hopefully it sort of starts to, you know, engender the sort of respect that should have always been shown to people doing whatever job they happen to be doing. People Um, need to do jobs, man. Yeah, and, you know, and we should be bloody grateful that someone, you know, gives me my twister, even though (laughs) KFC changed the fucking version of it that they do and I don't get them anymore. I haven't been to KFC in so long. Is it true that they had to change their menu because there's no chicken? 
I don't know, but I did see someone post something uh, on Facebook recently that was a very earnest and hilarious complaint about not getting wicked wings. Yeah, because <laughs> apparently just, you know, because like all truck drivers and stuff are in ISA, there's like no chicken. And they had to like, it's like, why are you even still open KFC? Chicken is what you do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just, for that, like little things like that, I thought, do we really need to still be doing this now? The, the other one that really stuck out to me was a joke about, quote unquote joke, about uh, Elon Musk, uh, where Samuel Tarly says, you know, what would Elon do? And it was, it w- uh, to me, again, it just fell very dead. Uh, I mean, I thought firstly he would monetize whatever is going on. If you think that people like him and Jeff Bezos are not going to realize that there is AI that now exists on the moon and they're not going to go and then fuck up the moon and no. we'll all die anyway, yeah. just go and refer to Don't Look Up if you haven't watched that yet. But I just thought uh, Elon Musk is an interesting thing, especially because there was a there was a scene in which sort of the tides really start to come in because of course yeah. rely on the the moon for for tides, and so the tide comes in and it carries this uber uber yacht with it, and they show this yacht several times, and it's coming towards where he and um, Patrick Wilson are, and I just kept waiting for the yacht to smash into them, and it yeah. doesn't. It's another one of these things, as you were saying, where it's like. The thing logically doesn't flow yeah, into yeah. the next scene, um, but but for me it was just kind of like, well, I suppose Elon Musk would firstly monetize it and then go on a like Twitter <laughs> rant defending himself with some kind of like you know I don't know uh, like eco fascist faux argument yeah. that makes people feel like his his movements were valid. But again, I was like, you're also speaking from a, a scientific conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Trying to align yourself with someone with whom it's a very bizarre marriage of, I, yeah, of ideas. That's a, I think to me it's moments like that where you can feel the writing and that's where I know that this film was not written with love behind it. This was yes. just – to me, it's funny. This movie felt to me like you had fed all of Roland Emmerich's movies into a bot and gotten a bot to write a Roland Emmerich movie and that's what this felt like because it's just a mishmash of all this crap. Yes. And you can you can feel that in lines like that where it's like, you know, Roland Emmerich clearly thought to himself, okay, this guy needs to reference a science guy. Who's a science guy that everybody knows? Yes. Elon Musk. Yes. And it's like, no, think about – the character. Yes. Who would the character actually be, you know, like exactly. e- even even if you need someone popular like what would Carl Sagan do or something, you know, like what would Bill Nye do even would be a better line, you know? Yes. Like yeah. but very yeah. weird. My one of the friends I saw it with said he felt like it was the kind of dialogue that was written in an improv session and not yeah. not written, just spoken, where people yeah. are like, I say this and then you say that and then I say this. <laughs> yeah. But no one goes and retreads the steps and figure out if the entire thing actually fucking makes sense. Yeah. Or is the way people actually speak. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh, this was a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can we talk about the actors then? Because this movie does feature one of the five most handsome men on the face of the earth, Patrick Wilson. Oh, what would we say? Oh, don't you go slamming <laughs> Wilson. <laughs> I love Patrick Wilson so much. And I not only do I think he is fucking gorgeous just quietly, <laughs> like, I think he's a fantastic actor. Like, if you look at some of his, like, little children, I don't know if you've seen Hard Candy. You're one of those people that I would both recommend to watch Hard Candy and also to never watch Hard Candy. <laughs> Interesting. He is <laughs> Fucking fantastic in that film. Yeah. And I think 
it feels like him and Halle Berry are not just phoning this film in. It's like they're text messaging this film in. Like they are, <laughs> they are so not present in this film. Yeah, and it, it's really sad because they're both pretty high caliber actors. Yeah, it it felt quite. Um, someone, one of the friends I saw it with said afterwards he never felt he never noticed Halle Berry smile throughout the whole movie. Now that obviously is an interesting thing because <laughs> I mean, and it, he, as a man, should he be telling exactly, her to smile? I mean, he, he was the first person to then say, now of course women should always smile much more. But he said he almost didn't recognise her because it was a, such a departure. I mean, if you if you eliminate something yeah, sort of like Monsters Ball and stuff, first, yeah. it's not normal. Well, it's we haven't typically seen her in roles where she's very grim-faced mm. the entire film. Uh, and so, and part of it was I think that goes to the the problem for me that none of them seem to actually be having fun. Like if you yeah. watch a movie like Armageddon, it's ridiculous, the but thing, they're yeah. all in on the joke. But in this, they seem to be thinking it was a real film and it's not. It's just yeah. a pile of shit. And that's how this movie should be treated. And and I would I, I agree with you. I would enjoy it so much more if a movie like this needs that nod to the camera, that yes. that cheeky like look how fucking shit this is. You know, like <laughs> any Fast and Furious film, when they drive Except a car, the first one, which is genuinely a classic. When they drive a car out of a skyscraper into another skyscraper, <laughs> and then out of that skyscraper and into another skyscraper, they don't treat that like a serious dramatic moment. Like you're never at any point in those films meant to worry about those characters. That's exactly right. And, like, I didn't worry about these characters, but I feel like the film wanted me to, and I don't know why, because it didn't give me enough to care about any of them. Yes. I I not only thought they would all die at the end, I desperately hoped that they did. <laughs> <laughs> what did you – I was listening to it throughout thinking, I wonder if Billy noticed the score, because for me it was very predictable and very forgettable. Forgettable is the absolute word. I thought that it served its purpose. Like, I don't think at any point it, you know, it complemented what was happening on screen and that's yeah. fine. What was happening on screen was already so bland that I didn't <laughs> expect the score to lift it immensely. Uh, I certainly, I wouldn't remember it for sure. Yeah. But I think there's a lot about this film that I won't remember. Uh, a lot that I'll be trying to forget. <laughs> what the fuck was Donald Sutherland doing in this film for one scene? I really don't know. And again, he was one of those people where, yeah, firstly, what are you doing, Donald? <laughs> and secondly, what he, he was, again, one of those characters that could just be written out entirely oh, and it would change yeah. nothing. Nothing at Absolutely all. Absolutely nothing would be affected. Yeah. By, about the storyline. I mean, he basically comes on just to say, what, that NASA knew about it the whole time? Is yeah. that my memory? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But, again, she could have just read it on the hard drive, sorry, the USB drive that she was looking at at the time. So he yeah. didn't need to be there. Yeah. So to me, basically, the film was just too long, too shit. <laughs> and and I was left at the end thinking, where are the gay aliens? Because there is a moment in in uh, Samuel Tarly's room or whatever where you see all of his sort of stickers where, you know, very, like, subtle exposition about the fact that he's a kind of, you know, like... Um, nut you job. Know, he's a nut job. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, who apparently, though, was entirely bang on the money. Yeah, the whole uh, time. Exactly. Which, is, which is crazy to me. Like, even if he's a little bit right. Why did he have to be all the way right? Why is and and at the end of the film, he is literally the hero. Yes, he is. He sacrifices himself to save the human race. Yes, and it's 
a very strange moment for me. Very I, I'm strange. Not, I'm not saying that conspiracy theorists are bad people or that they shouldn't no. be. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a really interesting move. Yeah, it, it was. It was left entirely open as to what I was meant to think about conspiracies. The Moon and yeah. Samuel Tali. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's like the film, like you were saying before, it's like it, they'll say a line of dialogue and it's almost like they forgot what they said 10 minutes ago. Yes. It's like At one point he's talking to Patrick Wilson about, you know, you're always believed in me and stuff. It's like, no, he didn't. He told you to fuck off he when you, you first found He got you literally thrown out by security. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he came to you only after he knew that you were right. <laughs> he didn't give a fuck about you. You're not friends. It's a deeply flawed film. Uh, and, yeah, I really, at the end, I wanted the payoff of the gay aliens, which may, may have made one extra point uh, in what uh I'm going to tell you early on is going to be a pretty low score <laughs> because one of his stickers has a, a a reference to gay aliens and I was like right. oh yes <laughs> this could this is the only redemptive arc this film could have if they arrive on the moon and it's just like a massive queer colony yeah. fucking great I yeah. would be here for that but again no just white lights and I don't know moving arcs <laughs> I don't think you've said enough about Patrick Wilson you agree with me that he's one of the most handsome men on the planet right I mean, he would make my list. You know, like how you're like well, five. He'd probably be the only male that would make my list. Oh, that is untrue because one of uh, the Affleck. One, one of the previews I saw I uh, going into going into the movie was uh, something featuring Carrie Elwes. Oh, yeah, I saw the same trailer. And I meant to talk to you about that because I fucking love Carrie Elwes. I know you do, buddy. Uh, look, Patrick Wilson probably not. He's not. He's fine. I've never really thought about it. That's insane. That's- <laughs> he's not really my vibe. He's, he's too attractive. <laughs> oh, obvious beauty is the That's worst. That's the worst. <laughs> so how are you scoring this then out of 10? Look, I was hoping for a 3 out of 10, which would have been the gay alien bump. Uh, we didn't get there, so I'm going for a generous 2. I have a three. Like I said, I actually I had fun with this film, and it's probably just because it was date night. You know, yeah. I, I had a couple of dark ales before we went in. Yeah. And like, I, I had plenty of fun. I had my popcorn, had my Ben and Jerry's. You were happy, mate. <laughs> I was totally happy. <laughs> Would I see it again? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, if this was showing in the fancy <laughs> cinema at like a 1 p.m. session and I was able to say I had a, an appointment, like a doctor's appointment, and sneak out of work and this was the only thing showing, I'd go see it. 100% I would. I'm not going to lie to you. I would rather do unpaid work than <laughs> see it again. I had I had enough fun with it for sure. I'm a three. I'm not, look, I'm not saying it's going to win any awards. <laughs> I just felt like it offended me as a cinema goer. It offended me as a human person, and uh, it offended me as someone who has finite time on Earth. <laughs> Do you think that part of it is that you're you're starting to get too old for disaster movies? Like, do you think that that's part of it? I'm not calling you old. I'm saying, like, do you think that we as an audience have outgrown them? Because I watched this movie and for the first half hour I was like, this would have killed in the 90s. Like, this exact movie made in the 90s would have been better received than what this movie is today. I think- uh, I think audience have just outgrown this genre to a certain extent. I think 
I think the opposite for me, where I was desperate for it to be a disaster movie to because be I just love a disaster film. Yeah, and I love those big disaster sets. I mean, even when you watch something back like Twister, which is probably a bit of a hybrid disaster. Yeah, really. that's true. That's another one that's yeah. Yeah, it 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 still has enough. Uh, it has enough. There are enough intersections of disaster throughout the movie to kind of anchor it a bit in that genre. But it's not. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to be beaten over the head with it. Yeah. Or you can go to something that's very full on, like Day After Tomorrow, for yeah, example. Twenty twelve. Yes, where it's yeah. very full on, and even twenty twelve was. I mean, it was not a good film. <laughs> uh, but I. So for me, like, okay, I'm fine. I don't mind if it's going to be have a bit of kind of drama um, mixed yeah. in, like something like Twister, and still kind of hit a couple of you know disaster, um, you know, whatever. Tropes. Tropes. Uh, but Or just to go full-fledged into disaster, you know, San Andreas, yeah. Day After Tomorrow yeah. style. But it didn't do either of those yeah, things. And yeah. and so, for me, I was, I was desperate to be a full-on disaster movie. And I uh, either I am too old or it just genuinely didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Can we not let it be another 115 episodes before you come back? I will try and come back sooner than that. The chocolate here is very good. It, it is. It is. And, like, you're here all the time anyway. That's true. <laughs> you know what? Next time we could do a throwback. Next time you could pick a movie for us to watch here and then record straight after. Ooh. All right. Yeah. All right. And we'll, we'll make news. Join us on mic, too, instead of just sitting listening to us eating chocolate. Love it. <laughs> yes, yes you now you can. It. Well, actually, no, wait. We're oh, no, nearly wait. done. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. <laughs> um, yes. Next week, I will be joined by a fantastic friend of the show, Julio from The Contrarians, talking about, you know, to make up for this crap film, we'll be looking at something a bit artsy with Wes Anderson's new The French Dispatch. So that'll be a bit, of a bit of fun. And in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing, and I'll catch you next week. Watch a movie. Now you can open the chocolate. <laughs> 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 <laughs>